So let me walk through you a little bit of where we're going. Uh, last week I kind of shared some things uh, but wouldn't have shared normally and especially because of just the snow and, uh, and all that we were dealing with. So what I want to do today is we, we, again, started a little bit last week, but we're entering into the Sermon on the Mount. And um, we're going to spend the coming weeks uh, going through it. Jesus said concerning uh, his followers and his kingdom. And so what I want to do today is uh, take a little bit of time, time and at least give you some things to think about for the whole Sermon on the Mount, not just part of it. So what I want you to do is think with me as we go kind of what God is truly saying, the intent behind it. So there's a lot to it. Uh, and I'll give you some lenses kind of to look through it on the mount, not just maybe the Beatitudes or one part. Um, and then we can explore along. And then uh, I want to wrap up with the, the first Beatitude in a thought, and then I would encourage you uh, one of a few different things maybe. One is uh, each, each day or each week, over the coming weeks, a portion of the Sermon on the Mount. Or read through, another one might be all of the Sermon on the Mount, maybe every week. And that is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Break it down even this week. We mentioned the Beatitudes. Maybe read the Beatitudes over and over again. Maybe even read them in different translations. We only use the New Living Translation here, if you're familiar with that. Um, but you may have the NIV, it's what I grew up with, or some other translation, ESV, something that you encourage you to also look at another translation um, and uh, then like read it, just gain some different perspective. Any questions, you're more than welcome to email me or we can talk about it. If you're a reader, I really would love for you to dig in a little deeper to what, what God is saying through the, those few chapters and not um, to do that. It'd be really great if you dug a little deeper into it. Whatever that looks like for you. Listen to some other teachers teach. There's tons of teachers and preachers out there talking about the Sermon on the podcasts, different perspectives. I really encourage you to do that so that we can get a full view of the Word of God and really to say to us through it. So I'm going to give you some lenses to look through, and then we'll wrap up with that first beatitude. We're not going to hit all the beatitudes in this series. We'll climb. All right. So one of the things that's going to come up for us constantly in all of this, I, I was thinking about this more for myself, and so I'm up here talking with whatever I think, right, at this point. So uh, I was thinking a lot about self-sufficiency. Now, there's a lot. But it seems to me that over the years, we, we are getting more sufficient. Um, even so much so, there's all the, you know, apps with our phones and, and then other things out there that help us like they'll teach us or create ways to help us do it ourselves even more, right? So if you're a do-it-yourselfer, even more, but we got tons of tools at home, all sorts of things. We are learning, hey, you know, we can save a lot of money, do it yourself. Um, see, part that says that's good, right? I think you could save a lot of money. It's great to learn those things. Now it backfires once in a while, and you got to fix what you thought you could do because you can't do it. Or guys, we, we can do it all, right? That's in our nature. Girlfriends or whoever that is in your life likes to sit over us and ask a bunch of ridiculous questions. When it goes wrong, they love to point that out. Is that true? My wife does not do that. <laughs> but self-sufficiency may be for yourself 
may be something that can also be really dangerous to uh, you as an individual. In the pers- you know where it's really bad? It can really get bad in the church. When we think we need to do it ourselves and it turns into we're better, that's what it can turn into, the danger part is we're better than everyone else, which means I don't. Now, that may be a big gap from just being self-sufficient, taking care of yourself, right, or taking care of things. I think that's great to anybody. It's a, it can be a big gap, but that gap subtly can, can rapidly shrink if get in us, where suddenly we hold ourselves, run away from others and God because we don't need them. It's one of the things that I hate hearing the most when somebody said, out. And so what happens is that's dangerous, right, when it gets to that point. Yet as a church, when we, we don't need anyone, it's not kingdom way. It's not kingdom life. And we can do it all ourselves. You, maybe you would be challenged by this. Is this in the Bible or not? You can finish it. God helps those. Is that in the Bible? It's not. Now we promote it like it is. Someone in here has said it like it is. But really the principle is God helps those who cannot help themselves. I really believe that, right? So this is kind of a thank you. And, uh, and I shared this a little bit last week, but it hadn't all yet. My brother, who's 52, had a four-way bypass this week. Um, now, uh, you cannot be, if that's the best way to term it, right? If you need a bypass, you don't Google how to do bypass and do it, all right? You can Google how to put in a floor, how to fix plumbing at your house. But Google, although maybe so expensive, I can just do it myself. Really? So one, thank you for praying because he's going home today. Two weeks, it was a tough road because a lot of things that went along with it. Um. And uh, I, I want to say this. If you're a nurse or a doctor out there, a godsend. Those are talents and gifts that God gives. There are even doctors that aren't followers of Christ that would proclaim they of one that God uses them to do miracles. They're not God. I'm not saying that. They are. Okay? I've met them. Right? But that, that could be a pastor as well. But man, thank you. Professions where you needed to learn a skill or you're gifted naturally, to me as a follower of Christ, God-given stuff. At times, gone to school and grabbed a hold of it and embraced, but thank you for what you do. Do it even better, right? That's because you can't, there's not an app for heart bypass surgery. (laughs) What happens is that goes a little deeper in us concerning religion and I know how I am, I'm prone to approval and many other things come from what I do. So what happens if that's true and I'm prone to that or I need to do it myself, what am I gonna do? Try harder, try harder, try this world, the Christian world, that's dangerous because you cannot do or be God. Take communion today and celebrate what Christ has done for us. Why? Because we can't do it.
come from what I do, though I need to do certain things. Faith and works go together. This is a lot of biblical stuff that's foundational, but we'll walk and then we'll be talking about it almost every week for weeks. So that, if that scares you, I'm telling you ahead of time. I want you here every Sunday, but if it scares you, talking about purity and all this stuff in the Sermon on the Mount, it's crazy. Come anyways, all right? Just force yourself, get here, show up so we gather. But if this takes hold of me, the self-sufficiency, I'll strive to do more myself, thinking that I can, my own addictions, my own problems, I can fix approval by what I do, and God will or others will love me more. That doesn't even work in a marriage real well. It can destroy that because you'll feel like or you'll actually do enough. That, that's a scary place to be. But what has happened is the religious have created this thing that says that's how we operate. Even if we subtly don't say it or preach it, and we'll promote that. So in the time of Jesus, 2,000 years ago, the religious leaders, and we know the book of Matthew, because we're in, the, we're in the, the start of the book of Matthew and now focusing for weeks on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, 7, he endlessly, uh, because the religious leaders taught God's law, 113 rules and over 1,500 emendations, these alterations designed to cause. So 613 plus 1,500 plus, you know, additions, Kirk, that is insanity. And yet we'll often almost subtly promote that in the church. There are some in here today, so I'm going to pray over the next weeks, God's freedom and healing for you that you still think you've heard it from us or heard it from others, that God is more concerned with what you do than who you are. What you do matters. Not dismissing that. We'll see that in Scripture. But who you are is the starting place of that before doing. I'll repeat that many times probably over this coming weeks. And it creates a problem if all we do is promote the law and the rules so what happens is Jesus comes to him about God's law, and this will come up in the next few weeks, and he reveals to us the truth about the kingdom of God and kingdom living the whole time. If I misunderstand the message of Jesus, then I'll misunderstand who the real Jesus is, live in his kingdom. So Jesus comes 2,000 years ago, and one of the things he does is he comes to correct a misunderstanding what God expects, how much God loves us, who he really is, and how we're to live in all of this. That's what we're going to So Jesus then shares this kingdom of God manifesto in uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. You don't know there's four gospels, four big stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're looking at Matthew, this series, and, uh, and so he's going to lay out this kingdom manifesto, his, like the, the, uh, the uh, politicians get up and say, this is my platform. This is what I'm going to be all about. This is where I'm going to change things. I'm going to cafeteria. Have you ever remember that from school? Remember the, the kids running for president? 
man, more recess, more PE, better lunches, all right? Just take that and increase it, right, with our politicians of today. But then uh, Jesus comes and lays down his platform, this opposite of everything else that they're hearing, the people, and he's laying down uh, foundations for kingdom living. So one of the things Jesus' platform, foundations for how he's going to operate and how he's going to tell us how we live in his kingdom. This is what it looks like. This is who I live, all right? And so Matthew 5, 6, 7 is us learn one. It's instructions under this. It's instructions for followers of Jesus. So when you read Matthew 5, 6, 7, they're instructions to us how to live of Christ. And you are in here today, if you are listening online and you are a follower of Jesus, these are instructions on how to live. Now, we got to look at a lot behind instructions for us. It's the book on what part of what we can read and understand, but who he is, how he feels about us, and how we're to live. All right? But we don't want to fully eliminate everyone else. So the followers, we don't separate that. They're also to the crowds. Because we read in Matthew 4, Jesus is healing, teaching, and preaching right there in Matthew 4. So these are also invitations to the crowd to follow him. Part of what we understand is we don't take Matthew 5, 6, 7 and toss it out for people that don't follow Jesus. It's for them as well. You look at history, many people, I'm not going to go into it for the sake of time, but you can look throughout the Sermon on the Mount. I read a little story about Gandhi, and he basically said this would all work, the world would work better if we just followed the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we, we think there's more to it than that. But it's a powerful manifesto. It's, a, it's an they're invitations, not just instructions to us, but invitations to everyone. Come follow me. Come follow me. Let me teach you what it's really like. Let me show And so this is a beautiful thing. It's for everyone, all right? And Jesus showed us that in Matthew 4 right before this. And what Jesus does is it's like he throws a grenade in this shallow piety and outward living that's apart from God. So it's just like this, boom. Like, what, what's the thing that you do? Head blown, right, or whatever. Wow, I'm just like, boom, what? You know, he's like, this is how this is. Is that right? I'm not, I'm not cool enough, but probably greater things that I could have done. But uh, this is constantly we would see. So real quick, turn to Matthew 7, 24 through 29. Constantly we're going to see it. I thought it was this way. And he just told me it's that way. I mean, people are just getting their minds blown. And 24 through 29 says, this is now the end of the Sermon on the Mount, but it could be in the beginning too. Anyone who listens to my teaching follows it as was on a solid rock. That foundation, this is what he's laying down, five, six, seven, and, and throughout the gospel. But he says, though the rain and waters rise and the winds beat against that house, some of you experience that. Your physical house, you, your family, you, you have been down. The storms are torrents of just everything. And Jesus says, listen, this stuff is foundational to keep you strong. In we recognize that in the world we're in today, physically, emotionally. Some of you, this is your experience. If you're going through that kind of storm, that experience, there's answers for you here. It says, follow, listen. So that, that when all this happens, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. This is a bedrock. This is who hears my teaching, doesn't obey. He says it's foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come, it will collapse with a mighty crash. 
I've experienced that just in building stuff. Like, this worked. You've known this, 11 puppies in my home. Now they're six and a half weeks old. They're big. They are like little insane. There's 11 of them. I felt bad. I left the house this morning. It's one of my days when Heidi and I like either tag team or or there's mornings because of school and like today, this is a work day for me. I get up super and you go in to the the room, you open the door and it is uh, a poopocalypse that happened in there. Is that a word? 11 puppies. What do you think's going on in there? For those of you that go, we got some puppies, and you're showing a beautiful thing, and them running is real, man. This is the real deal. You parents, put stuff on there that shows the truth of what it means to parent for the Wheat and Jordan, all right? <laughs> Not these like, oh, five seconds ago, there was poo everywhere. There's food strewn around. It's, let's, let's have truth, all right? Quit Instagramming and filtering this stuff so that it looks all beautiful, okay? It's a nightmare walking in there, man. You put booties on, gloves, full hazmat suit to go into that room. <laughs> Okay, I, I'm not lying either, all right? So this morning, Heidi has to go in alone. I'm so sorry, you know? I hope you make it out alive in the truck. Uh, we built like kennel, but they can, they can shove it down now. Like, yeah, you need help, Ron, okay? When we do it ourselves. It crashes. Self-sufficiency is not the answer to God's kingdom. Self-sufficiency is good, but it is not the answer. He says it collapses with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds, it says, were amazed at his teaching. They've been hearing teaching forever. They've, They've got the entire scriptures for teaching, but they're blown away by him, for he taught with real authority Ah, man, quite unlike their teachers of religious law with 613 laws and 1,500, like, corrections. They are, and we have this manifesto of how he lays it out. It's hard when you, this is kind of our intro and delving into it. Let me just tell you, it's hard. Please hear me. Some of you are gonna hear things, and it is, and you're gonna wonder what he means because you've experienced it and you're gonna wonder if you're like living in sin or am I doing this? And you know what? I'm gonna challenge you and contemplate, think about what is God saying and dig in. And there may be some of us that go, you know what? I gotta make a change because I believe in something greater. So I, I really want you to hear this, that it's hard. It was hard for the people, but wow, this is amazing. And when, one of the things that we'll learn in it is Jesus is presenting not burdens or demands. So it's a beautiful thing, but we're going to have to dig into it a little bit. So one of the things he's laying out is kingdom man. The other thing he does is he goes right to the heart. So one of the things that Jesus does throughout either is demands and requirements, or you're going to hear that he's trying to get to the heart and the truth of things, and you're going to hear it in grace, and then you're going to experience and say, so he goes right to the heart. I pray that he does that in us. If you're online watching over the coming weeks, that he gets to the depth of your soul trying to go, I gotta do better. I should have done that. I could have done that. Man, I am a mess. You could say I'm a mess because there's depravity in us, man. There is help we need. That's a good, please hear acts of grace and love by God because he cares about you and wants you to be everything that he's dreamt you to be. And we need Jesus in the heart. 
He's going to talk about us being something before we do something. He's going to shake us out of our complacency so that we can live as fully human followers of Jesus. Fully human followers of Jesus. He's going to teach us how to thrive as healthy and successful Christians. Successful in the world's terms. For even at the end of the Beatitudes, he says, blessed are you when you're persecuted. So sometimes persecution. So here's how I want you to look at the Sermon on the Mount. Then we'll come to this place. I'm just going to, there's a lot, probably a little quick. We're going to dig into it a little deeper as we go along, all right? So when we read those, the next three chapters, five, six, seven, do it this week as much as you can. Again, just really delve into it for yourself. Ask God, speak to me in this. Help me to evaluate who you are, who I am, what you say about the Lord. Um, so here's the lenses we look through in just a few kind of almost catchy phrases here. One, we look at it through the lens of the Sermon on the Mount. You look at, you look at it in the context of all of Matthew, all of Scripture, all of the story of God. Do not pull it out as some list of verses. Look at it in the whole. We should do that with all of Scripture, period. But look at it, all of Scripture, the whole story of God. Okay, we look at it in that context. We don't pull it out, separate it. It goes together. Jewish thought and teaching, Old Testament law, prophets, wisdom, because it's got all sorts of things in there that we need to understand a little bit of the context and saying throughout all of the whole. So we look at it from the whole story of God. We also want to take it seriously. Okay, so one of the things that we're going to do this, and you're going to go, that's too hard. What about me? What about that? I don't think I can do that. Is it supposed to be taken literally? And I would say the literal, but we got to look at the illustrations that Christ gives, the parables, the poetry, the cultural context when we look at it, and we're going to do that because some of the sermon on is also parables and stories and illustrations that we look at. So literally, you're going to come to a place and it says, if you even look at a woman, we're not going to have spoons that morning where you gouge your eye out if you did. But that's some scripture like that, and then you come to a place like that, and then we twist so we're going to look at it from all, all. Please do that, all right? Gonna, it, man, we want him, Jesus, to get to the depth of who we are and what we're all about and where we need help and to be people that follow him completely. So some of it, we're going to look at it from those perspectives. We're going to look at the understanding and the The other thing we do is we look at it through the lens of the whole person. So this is a spiritual physical and emotional thing that we do, all right? Oh, spiritual, and that's all we're going to look at. Some, things, some of the things that we look at is physical, like actual things that need to be done or change. It would be. Some of it's emotional. We believe here at Journey, we believe in the emotional, the feelings. We don't focus on our feelings. They don't drive dysfunction in it. I'm one of those. But we work with its, its emotion behind all of this. There's the physical part part to it. We look at it through the lens of the whole person. If you didn't know this, all parts of you, heart, body, mind, soul, when he preached, he also teached. Teachers, I know, condemn me now, all right? My wife's not here, so I, but he also healed. He did that. He hit the head, heart. We want to hear and experience all of what he has for us the inward and the outward, but we don't want to just focus on one. The religious leaders focused on the outward. But we see through all of Scripture, it's both. We can read in James. Faith and works go together. 
We don't separate them. We need grace. Here's a part of that whole grace and effort. Okay? I receive grace. Right? There's things that we do. Made. So we need grace and effort. We also understand when we look at it, this holy possess it or master it. So if you think you're going to leave here and go, man, I nailed the Sermon on the Mount, every part. I'm walking it. I would go, wow, write a book, man, other than what we have. Because if that's the case, here's what happens. You may have gotten to a place where you think Jesus. And you may be looking at just from a list of ethics or virtues or something that we do to also who we are. So we, uh, one, one said, we're becoming. It's like climbing a ladder, just kind of climbing this ladder. The Bible tells us that I press on towards the goal. And so we see that this is a process. That some of, some of this, you're gonna read something and it's a process you, but I'm way over here in that. And you think that you're just supposed to, you know, snap your fingers and you're here now. For some of us, because it's spiritual, it's a process to go through. If we today, I'll bring this up at the end, if you're dealing with an addiction, for, for example, there's some of you that have a doing it and I never did it again. God healed me. And some of you, I believe you love Jesus, but you have been struggling for a long time and it is painful. And I want to encourage you, don't give up. Do not give up. God has not given up. So maybe even today, it's that place of surrender to him. Right? And I'm sure we could apply this in many ways. One writer wrote that it may not raise us to the heights up from the depths. Maybe even today, you just are begin this work in process, but it shows us how much we need him. But we're whole people. We look at it through that lens. Two more, we look at it through the whole. One of the things that we encourage here at Journey a lot, you're gonna never not hear this. If I retire one day and Christ has not come back, I will tell of Brent, Charles staff, if they're, if they're still here, I will come back from the grave and say, why did you stop promoting community in small groups? Because it's hard. Well, I know it's hard for me till I go to the grave, probably, you know, but it's worth it. So one of the things that we do when we look at the Sermon on the Mount and all of Scripture, any whole community, we need God. So there's that community part, but we cannot, we cannot do it alone. We need one another. You may not have to, quote, come to church to be a Christian, but I think you follow Christ properly. So then we promote it as pastors that you got to be here. And it feels good when there's a lot of people and money's coming in and we're doing things. But that's not, that's not being a Christian and following Christ. It's a building. But gathering the people in it, now that's important. I tell on the men's group sometimes, I'm going to tell, I will not use names to protect the innocent, all right? But uh, there's lots of Guinness a long time as a bunch of dudes. One, the core that's consistent, it takes a long time. Those that come in and out, it can take even longer. On, a, on Thursday morning at Rise Coffee, I think a dozen of us or so met, probably at least. And um, his father is going to pass away anytime. 
I was at their house last night, prayed with the family and for his dad. One of the other guys got a text that said, hey, my dad, um, I didn't get the text, though we've talked many times in text and phone. He had, but he texted this other guy. And so the other guy uh, said, hey, Ron, for prayer, because part of our thing is prayer. And uh, he texted me and said, pray for him and his dad. His dad's going to pass. So we prayed. Before that, I stopped for a minute and uh, expressed to him how cool I thought. Because here's, here's what, what subtly goes in my mind. Why didn't he just text me? I'm, I'm the pastor. Dude, right? I didn't think that very much. <laughs> the, the gap of how I used to do that is really narrow now, but it's still there. He said, that's exactly what I want. You don't need the pastor. This, this title, food or coffee or anything like that. Doesn't it, I think this right now. It does not make me holy Er, it does not make me holy. It doesn't make me better than you and most likely in heaven than I am, all right? That, I told the guys, was awesome. That shows us that we're starting to look at this relationship with God. We look at this through the whole community. Man, text them. Let's do, we're building community, not the pastor, and then there's all of you. I, I love that. I thought that was awesome. That's what we want to keep pushing and building. Through the whole community, we live it out in community with Jesus and others. One of the, the commentaries that I really like, Juarez is his last name, says it's this, this Sermon on the Mount, all of scripture really, but sermon, he says it's a description of Life of a people gathered by and around Jesus. So when we read it that way, so the thing is this, the whole Jesus. We look, at, we look at this through the whole Jesus, right? Meaning that he's our example, what he says he lives out, all right? I want to look at all aspects of his life. This call is not a call to be virtuous. Jesus doesn't write this as his, as his platform and manifesto to go, here, I want you to be virtuous people, so live this way. This is a call, in the very beginning of this, this is a call to follow him, all right? Come follow me. Do what I do. Say what I say. He'll even say in there when some of the guys go, I don't, and I hear this from even, especially guys, I don't know how to pray, because I don't know, I let the past... You know what, really, if, if I ever come to your, if I ever get to grace your holy place, right, or, and we have dinner, you can pray for him. So one of the things that I'll just now see all know, you're like, great, I'm not inviting Ron over. His wife, maybe, but Ron, no, is they always go, this is what I hear, pray for the food. And I'm like, it's like, Really? All right, because my hands are holier. I'm going to touch it, too. I'm going to touch all of it. The spit on it. My spit's holier. Than, you know, there's all that element. Don't get me wrong. But there's a part of it, right, that, that you can do it as well. That you can experience this. But the good Matthew 5, 6, 7, they're going to go, we don't know how to pray. And I feel like sometimes Jesus is sitting there with them going, Seriously, you guys, okay? 
Okay, let me tell you how to pray. You know what? It's a prayer that we... Some of us don't pray it because we have to repeat it and we think it's not as holy. But it comes from Jesus and he says, you don't know how to pray? Pray. I love it. Pray this way. You would not do wrong. There's a lot more to prayer. I'm not saying do this. Pray that prayer every day. That's pretty good. Hey, guys, if you're struggling, like a lot of us guys, maybe pray with them because you don't know what to say. Pray, this, pray the Jesus prayer. Go to the Gospels. Go to Matthew 6. You don't even have to make anything up. Just read it. Pretty soon you'll memorize it. It's awesome. So we look at Jesus. It's an invitation to follow. A couple quick things, right? So this invitation from him is, uh, is an invitation to come and listen. I brought this up last week. Jesus is inviting us to come and listen then. So we, let's take this look at it. Now he's inviting everyone to it. Come and listen to this, all right? Uh, Matthew 5, 1 and 2 says, when Jesus saw his ministry drawing the hillside, this is from the message, all right? Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, Jesus was a rabbi. It says he sat down and taught his climbing companions, and this is what he said, Matthew 5, 6, 7. So the invitation is come and listen for all the crowd and the committed, right? But there are some of us, we talked about this last week, that want to get, uh, I want to be close. So there's an element I want to encourage you to do, I was saying last week, get close to Jesus. Let that be one of your goals. I want to get close to say, I don't want to rely on everyone else because I'm way at the bottom of the hill. Uh, just tell me what he said later. I'm going to go play in the Sea of Galilee. It's awesome. It's awesome. I want to be close to him. So there's going to be this point in time when you're going to have to make some sort of effort not to get approved by him, but just to be close to hear what he says. That may mean reading the Bible for yourself outside of Sunday. It may mean, it may mean as we said already earlier, pray the prayer every day. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to do that. It may be, you know what? I haven't done this before. I'm going to join with people. There's a lot to these things. But it says that his, his, his climbing companions, I like how Peterson wrote that and tried to sit with him. They wanted to come, listen, and learn. So we take on the posture of a student. This is what we take on the posture of a student. They go up with him to sit here, experience the real Jesus because they want to be close. One of the terms that we see in the culture, they want to get the dust of the rabbi on them. We won't go into that's a whole other teaching. But basically, it was to get so close to your rabbi that the dust that's kicked up from them walking gets on you. And there's a lot of stuff that I've experienced, even in Israel to this day, um, that goes along with that. But the idea is to take on the posture of a student. What does that look like to submit to what you hear? This is the sitting down part. There's an element um, that you just come. Jesus is teaching. There's an rose, and it's a little tougher, and then, you know, I might be boring or whatever you guys say and judge me on, you know, or you don't like my pants or what, I don't know. But it's the idea of sitting. It's almost like submitting. I'm not in too much of a hurry, so I'm going to sit down. Hey, one, I know we beat on this all the time, but put your phone away. Right? I am, I've said this so many times, every squirrel that's running around in this room right now even, if you knew all what's going on in here right now, you judged you, I see things moving, why is that like that? We got to fix that, why is this... All right? 
I think Jesus said there are many of us in here or something like that, right? Or isn't that a, that's what you're probably saying right now, right? And it's like, it's this, just submit. Hey, Jesus, I wanna hear what you have to say. What's that like in restaurant even? Or just in life daily? One day on being busy, that whole thing, but we've done that before, but that's just, yeah. So submit to what you hear and then obey to submit to would be the other thing to obey. These are big things that we're gonna talk about. We're not going deeply into them today, but Jesus is constantly preaching radical commitment. Okay, let me just give you a little filter in this one thought, and then I'll have the worship team come. We'll sing a song, take communion. I'll bless you to go home. So when we look at this, when we look at this radical commitment, one, use of scripture, we kind of talk to that. But some of this we're gonna have to look at with common sense. So again, you know, the gouging of eyes and the cutting off things and stuff like that, all right? To avoid legalism in it. So we're not here to preach legalism, but we're gonna talk about that. We won't get into it today, all right? And then operate in grace while Jesus and I operate in grace. You're gonna really need to practice that with others, right? Especially out in a world where a lot of people don't know him, or at least we wanna operate in grace. Okay. All right, one beatitude. Okay, not gonna go through them all. It's kind of like two sermons. Um, but if you go to the Beatitudes, verses 3 through 10, maybe into 12 there, some thoughts. God looks at things differently. So let me just give you a thought with blessed, and then the one, one of the blessings in the beginning, and then uh, again, we'll wrap. God is, is doing this thing where he's presenting Jesus as this maniform. He starts with the Beatitudes. He gathers everyone up, they come, they sit, they listen to what he has to say, and then he says, starting off the Beatitudes, blessed are those of things, right? Blessed, when you read that, now is gonna mean or bring up different things. Um, when you translate it out, it's, it's really interesting. Joy, happy, and here's what's interesting, lucky. So you could, oft, you could often look at it and go, lucky are you? Like, it's a great thing. So when you look at, like, for now and the future, there's that element to them. There's a lot more to it that we'll have to get into another time. But there's this idea that this is a good thing. Happy are you. Joy. Joy is much deeper than just a feeling of being happy, right? When this happens to you or you experience this. It's much more than it's something that feelings, conditions, present circumstances cannot take away. When you read this, it's almost like saying God is he's approving. It's God. Blessed are you. When you're persecuted, God approved, right? You're lucky that this is happening to you. Blessed is what happens when God is working in and through you, fulfilling his promises. That's why they're in and present future. That's, a, again, a big, giant thing. But this, this is an idea in these beatitudes. It's a way of being in the world, Jonathan Pennington said, that will result in the true and full, and his word was flourishing. And if you want to uh, read this book that I'm going but it's true now and in an age to come. So you look at these blessings you're gonna read this week, please read them at least once. Um, it's something that's gonna create, but you're gonna flourish within this as you experience them. And here's what, what uh, when, you, when you look at these, it's like Jesus saying, congratulations, way to go, you're on the right path. Because a lot of times when we see these blessings as a result of them or what the person is experiencing, there are things we want to run, like persecution, for example, right? Or mourning. When Jesus is actually saying, congratulations, you're experiencing this, you're on the right path. 
have joy. You're lucky. I'm with you. So we look at it through that lens. Like, so here's the wrap up. The, the first beatitude is the filter or the lens for the rest one, all right? Matthew 5, 3, okay? God blesses those who are poor and the it, spirit, spiritually poor, and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. It's, it's, a, it's not poor, like, uh, financially. Because some of you are like, man, I've nailed that one. <laughs> nailed it. Spirit, right? God blesses those who are poor, poor in spirit. And re, this is the big part. And realize their need for him. This is the filter that I look at everything else from. And goes, this is the starting place, the beginning point, Right? Let me go back to the beginning, what we've been working through, self-sufficiency. Nope. Eugene Peterson said, he wrote it this way, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope with less more of God and his rule. Ah, that nails it. I like that. So here's what I want to get you to think about. This is, uh, are you familiar with AA or Celebrate Recovery? It's step one. Admit you're powerless apart from Nail that this week. <laughs> okay? I'm powerless apart from you. It's through realizing my need for him that I embrace the rest. This is a fight sufficiency and self-righteousness. Everything that we look at or will tend to look at or the religious people promoted, this is what it's a fight against. Pride, come before God in humility, acknowledging your need for him. This is for everyone. The crowd and the committed, the helpless. I am hopeless. I am in despair. I am unworthy. I am empty. I need you. AA is great. And we have a program here that's, that's very similar to recovery. That is their beginning place. If you need help and you don't want to go to AA, Go to sleep for any addictions for that matter. We probably all need it. But Celebrate Recovery meets here Mondays at 6.30. Front, they, listen, little side thing. Don't tell everybody this, but they always have food. Go. Get involved in community. Admit, this is not a group thing. It starts with you. Run. From God. Powerless apart from God. If you're online, you are powerless apart from God. If you hear this another day, you're powerless apart from God. This is the beginning place. We look at the lens because if you read the Sermon on the Mount and you have any hint, I can do this, I can do it, you're already going down the wrong path. You may read even a little more to read and get close to God. You want to just have read one verse, five, three. Five, three, every day. I need him. I need him. I need him. Practicing. Getting involved. Connecting. Worship team can come.
Where are you spiritually poor? Where are you in need? Where have you tried to do it yourself, become self-sufficient? Where do you need more of God? Where do you need to become? Start right there. Today, um, we're going to take communion. So if you'd stand with me. In is really a declaration of that, right? Communion can be a declaration of a need for God. Apart from you, God, I am power. Do. What's the starting place? It's a declaration of I need God. So when I take communion today, I go and get this little cup of juice and a little piece of bread. It's apart from God. What do I do with all the sin that's consumed me? What do I do with all the broken worthiness? What do I do with all this pain and suffering? What do I do with this struggle? What do I do with the person that abandoned me? What do I do with unforgiveness? What do I do with all of this? I come to the one who has taken care of it for me, Jesus. Why? Because So I come to this place of need, a declaration and acknowledgement in him. So Jesus, thank you for what you have done for us, that you have given us your life, shed your blood for my sin. Apart from you, I can do nothing. I am not self-sufficient so much that I have, I can't take care of sin in of these things. And so we run to you, we come to you, we sit and submit before you, Communion has a part in that as well. As you've taken care of my sin, you could free me from these things. I need you. I want to put in effort, but apart from you, it's not possible. So thank you that you gave your blood, and I drink this juice to remember that I eat. gave freely for me. I don't understand it. Why would you do that? Oh, it's because you love me tremendously. So I'm going to follow you. Communion does today. For some of you, it's your starting place. I'm going to follow Jesus. Union for the first time. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. Apart from you, I can do nothing. I admit, and I am determined now to follow you. And we just start. Prayer partners are always standing by the back. I'm available. I'm a communion. In just a moment, they're going to sing a song. And uh, then I'm going to bless you uh, to go. And we'll go try to live out anything. Come back next week to learn some more and be together. So for what you have done for us, we admit, I admit that I am powerless apart from you. So I embrace. Please help me with my inside world, my mind and heart to get it right so that I can see you better in the outside. In your name, Jesus, we pray, amen.